Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 685. What I try to remind myself every day is just to laugh every day. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Chris Harrell. Hey, Chris, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am indeed. All right. Great to have you here. Chris Harrell is an avid classic car enthusiast and a visionary for retrograde classics. Prior to founding retrograde classics, Chris had over two decades of business leadership and experience creating growing consumer brands. He spent 12 years at design-centric tech lifestyle brand Incase, one of my favorite brands out there. And at Retrograde, he works with automotive photographer and past cars, yeah, I guess, Michael Allen Ross, and also Jason R. Zaylor. Chris owns several Porsches, and you'll usually find him carving the canyon somewhere around Los Angeles or at a club event at the track. So, Chris, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your this new business venture you're involved in? Of course, your passion for automobiles. Sure. And I'll give a little bit of context uh, leading up to that. So thanks for the intro. I think for me, you know, I've always loved Porsches specifically and cars in general. And we'll get into a little bit more of that later on. Mm -hmm. But only recently, really, have I been able to kind of take the opportunity to use what I've learned on the business side over the years at Incase. You know, as you mentioned, I was there for quite a while and basically worked there in every aspect of managing uh, the brand from manufacturing to the brand development to uh, actually managing the product and operations as well. So basically, over the years, I learned all that stuff at Incase and had a great opportunity to do that, but I didn't have a whole lot of time with my cars. Mm. And I was in China probably 70% of the time. For the first seven or eight years, I was with the company. I remember thinking at one point I had some cars sitting in the garage and I was thinking about selling them because I was never home. I didn't <laughs> drive them. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a challenge, right? And so I got the work experience and, and it was great, but I really longed for being able to enjoy and experience the cars that I was so passionate about. So fortunately for me, uh, at the end of 2015, in case decided had decided that year to sell the company and we were able to, to close the transaction at the end of 2015. Nice. After which I resigned after a brief uh, integration with a new company and took some time off and, and basically thought about what I wanted to do next. And it was, I feel really grateful that I had that opportunity. And what I decided to do was spend more time with my family, spend more time with the cars. Mm -hmm. And that's when I linked up with Michael Ross, uh, whom you mentioned, and Jason Zaylor, who I've been friends with since second grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we launched Retrograde Classics, which is really just a, it's a passion project focused on, you know, this, celebrating the spirit of classic sports cars and, and the people who love them. And so we launched with um, some really, really cool limited edition t-shirt prints uh, that were inspired by Michael Ross's photography We've done a few uh, profiles, which you'd appreciate, Mark, on a couple of uh, very interesting people in the car community. We're working on a few more of those Nice um, on our website. And really, it's a pretty open-ended kind of business plan. We're not going to just sell stuff, and we're not going to just interview people. Uh, we're really going to kind of navigate through and just celebrate the events and the people who are part of this great community, and also from time to time, make some really interesting products and share those with the world. And 
I think, you know, feel grateful that we're able to do that leaning on my experience on the in case side. Absolutely. Uh, so it works out really well. Well, it's so cool uh, having had Michael Allen Ross on the show and having known him for a while and his incredible eye for photography. And then you've hooked up with this old lifelong friend of yours who's a very talented graphic designer. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're a great example of the kind of people I love to have as guests here in Cars. Yeah, because it, the mantra here is inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people who've wrapped their passion into what they're doing. And boy, what you're doing at Retrograde doesn't define that. I don't know what does. So I'm very excited to see what's coming up next. And we're going to talk about that as we continue through your journey here. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning to them in their life. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive. So Chris, take the wheel. Huh. This one's this one's interesting. I mean, I, I think when I when I think about a mantra or an inspirational quote, there's there's a lot of things. And I have, you know, some things that I think about kind of on a daily basis, whether they apply to work or my personal life or driving. But I guess it's not necessarily a mantra. But what I try to remind myself every day is just to laugh every day. Mm. And I, <laughs> I, can be, I can be a really intense person, especially when I'm focused on something on the work side, on the in-case side. I was certainly that way, although, you know, as we get older, we, we hopefully mellow out a little bit. And I definitely <laughs> have. But I can get really focused and really intense. And a good thing that I've forced myself to do over the years is just remind myself to laugh, even in a situation where things are crazy or, you know, you're in a business environment where your back's against the wall. Sometimes you just got to let it out, laugh a little bit, you know, kind of appreciate the, the moment and uh, and then just dig back in. And so I try to, to weave that into really anything I'm doing every day. So, again, I wouldn't necessarily call that a mantra, but that's that's something that I've held close to me and, and I will continue to do so. Well, you know, yeah, we can get wrapped up in things uh, every day and, and life seems to be running at a faster pace these days for everybody when you include business and personal and social media and all the things that we're get, getting compounded with here. And yeah, to take a moment and laugh and every day can have challenges, but just sit back and think, okay, uh, be grateful. That's one of the things I try to do is yep. when I'm feeling stressed, be grateful. Think about what I'm grateful for because it's hard to be frustrated when you're grateful. Uh, in fact, it's pretty much impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. You you can't, they're mutually exclusive. You definitely can't be, be both at the same time, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And I get to talk to so many cool people and they all make me laugh. So just as you do. So uh, I'm enjoying a laugh with you today. Nice way to start the day. I can tell you who makes me laugh. Michael Allen Ross makes me laugh. <laughs> yes. I, I know you've, you've spoken with him. Yeah. Uh, he makes me laugh all the time. And when he and Jason and I are together, uh, sometimes it's hard to actually focus on getting anything done. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but Michael has a way about him just from his look and smile and, and his demeanor that, yeah, you just want to feel good when you're around him. So, uh, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And for those listeners out there, you can go back and listen to my talk with Michael. It was a really great one. Uh, gosh, it was almost two years ago now in Cars. Yeah. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed a car guy? You know, I've I've always been. I mean, it, it, and it's ironic a little bit because while my dad liked cars, mm -hmm. he was scared of them. Mm. Uh, so he, you know, he didn't want to work on them. I don't think he even knew how to do a tune-up. We always had cars around, and it was, you know, different American cars. And he had a Triumph TR7 and a 240Z and a bunch of other cars when I was, you know, like in my early teens. But I remember back of all the toys that I played with when, when I was a kid and, and all the things that were around. There were always elements that were cars, and so I think about specific pivotal moments or specific moments in my life that inspired or instigated my passion. There's a few. 
my brother and I ordered a, a one of those Tyco slot car sets. Oh, I remember those, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I was living up in Petaluma when I was a kid, and I think it was one of those rainy, rainy winters, kind of like the, they're having now in the Bay Area again. And we ordered this set, and it came with just the basic cars that came along with the set, and they were nothing special, but it came with a little booklet where you could go in and you could order extra cars for your set. And I remember there was a, a Porsche 911, a yellow Porsche 911 in that little book. And I wanted it so bad. I just loved the shape of it. It looked like a little frog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I ordered that and my brother ordered something. That I don't even remember what it was. And we got these cars and we, you know, we raced these things. And I raced that little yellow frog until the little metal uh, little metal uh, friction pads on the bottom basically burned through. And oh. I had <laughs> oh my gosh! Times yeah, and that car was just as tired as a little slot car can be. <laughs> and you know that was really my first kind of love for Porsches, I guess, and sort of identifying with that shape and the design. And even though it's on a really small scale, I just loved how friendly that shape was. And so I always had cars around. And then I remember later on, and this is a really funny one, and I don't remember the year, but it must have been. Um, I'm not sure when Smokey and the Bandit came out, I guess. We'll put it that way. <laughs> but I do remember sitting in my house on the weekend, and my dad was off doing something, and it, the Smokey and the Bandit was on HBO, and, but we didn't have HBO. And so I watched the whole movie scrambled. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> on HBO. Yeah, with and the waves coming through the line. With the waves coming through. You can, you can hear the audio, right? Because the audio is right. not scrambled. But yeah. the video is just a bunch of waves on the screen. And I remember watching that movie, and then I watched it again, and I just loved the, the cars and I, and I loved the whole idea of, you know, getting away from the from the cops or at least trying to. And, and for something about that, I don't know, I, I, something was wrong with me, obviously, to watch it scrambled. But that was a moment that I that I always remember, too, of just thinking I must have really been interested in that to do that. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. You know, I had a guest on last week, Julian White, and he runs Web Video Visions. And he's doing a special right now with Burt Reynolds because uh, the Bear <laughs> Jackson auction is coming up here very soon. They're selling one of Burt Reynolds' uh, cars, which is the Smokey and the Bandit car, the one that's registered to him. Last year they sold oh. the one that was the movie car or one of the – I think they wrecked a lot of them maybe in that movie. But, yeah, so now's your chance. Get over there to Arizona. You can bid on that thing. I'm sure it'll <laughs> probably only go for a half million dollars or something like that. <laughs> It's amazing. You know what? If I if I had that that laying around, I might think about it, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> no, no. There's a lot of ways to spend a half million dollars on cars. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about a Trans Am, but uh, they're cool. And yeah, that was one of those iconic movies for sure. So very yeah. nice, very nice story. Well, Chris, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way in business or in life. And the most important part of this story, of course, is what did it teach you? How did you come out of it? So tell. Tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your business, your career, and your life. For sure. Failures and challenges. I don't, honestly don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good if you've had a lot because that means you've tried a lot of things. I could probably spend our whole time talking about <laughs> that, um, many in the context of InCase and, and certainly others. I think probably to, to keep it focused, it'll be more of a maybe a macro condition. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to maybe a specific. And what I'll say was that, you know, when, when I started at InCase I mean, in 2004, I was in one of the first couple of employees and the company was, was tiny. I mean, it's literally in the small office space, basically the equivalent of a garage still. Yet we were selling product to Apple. Wow. And 
that's, you know, my, my, my boss who hired me, one of the founders used to talk about mice hunting elephants and there's all kinds of analogies <laughs> that you can use. But I mean, it was, that was a really interesting situation, right? And, yeah. and you're, you can't even believe when you think about it, that you're able to even conduct business with this, this giant who, you know, at the time they weren't as big as they are now, certainly, but they were relative big. to a, yeah. relative to a bunch of dudes in a, <laughs> in a garage, <laughs> bunch, bunch of dudes and one woman in a garage, you know, that was kind of big odds. And so pretty quickly, um, there, uh, I ended up in China, and that was where Encases Manufacturing was. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I started, we had one contract manufacturer, uh, and so all of our eggs were in that basket. Took a trip over there to kind of get introduced and get the lay of the land. And and basically within that first trip, I was told by the owners of the company that I was now I was now responsible for China, like <laughs> the, the implication of the whole country, right? But obviously yeah. that's not what they meant, right? And so over the course of the years, um, it, it, in case specifically, it was really tough, right? Because we were trying to grow and we were trying to stay alive while we were working with, you know, big companies, namely Apple. And, it, you know, I think that what I what I faced and what was challenging was that every time we had a product launch and every time we went through a new development cycle and we had to, you know, get tooling done and, and get products ready to, to basically ship mm-hmm. to our customer – the asks and the requests and the requirement were just simply ludicrous, right? Yep. And in order for us to be, and this wasn't coming from the customer, this was coming from us because we wanted to be the best, right? And yes. we wanted to be there first with the best product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember, remember sitting in China, um, not sitting, standing in the shower, crying one morning in my hotel room, literally seven o'clock, I'm in the shower and I had been up probably until 4am the night before because I was communicating with my team in the US and I had to go back to the factory. So I took a nap, got up crying in the shower in tears, thinking, how can I possibly do this? This is impossible. Mm, yeah. like, what have I gotten myself into? And, and how can I possibly do what's been asked of me what I've committed to? Mm-hmm. And how's it going to happen? And it was a really eye-opening time for me because what I what I realized then and, and over the next several days on that trip and and by just digging in and 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 trying to figure out the best ways to optimize production was that you just have to do the best you can. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it's always going to be perfect. Uh, we're human beings. We strive for perfection. It's not real. It's not possible. As long as you are giving everything you possibly can to whatever it is that you're doing, you can look in the mirror and you know that then you're going to be okay. And it really helped me calm down quite a bit and just focus on what I needed to do. And mm. sometimes we got it exactly right. Sometimes we got it close to right. Sometimes we screwed up. Yeah. But with my part of it in the business and, and really specifically on the manufacturing side, I just got myself to the point where I was comfortable with that. And, and it's really what I instilled in my team that I hired in is that, you know, we're in a startup mode. We're in this company. It's going to be crazy. It's not for everybody. Just give everything you possibly can. And as long as you do that, we're going to be okay. And I have continued to apply that to everything that, that I do. And it, and it gives me peace, actually, because I know that there's not anything more that I could possibly do. If someone's not happy with my work, okay, well, I'm, I did my best. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, you know, it's a great story. And thanks for taking us there into a really personal time. I, I'm sitting yeah. here listening just going, oh, man, I've been there, done that. Because for years, I worked at a company where we went out and sourced products, had them made overseas, and when everything shifted from Europe, where all of our products were made to Asia, mm-hmm. the challenges just compounded in so many ways. And you'd sit sure. there and just grab what little hair I had left on my head and go, "Ditto." Oh my gosh, why can't this be easier? This is so difficult. And you're right; you get to a point where you just have to realize, okay, I've done everything I can do, 
Some of this is out of my control. Uh, what else can I do to put some back in my control, if anything? And you just muster down and do it. And then you get to a point where it's going to happen or if it's not, I've done everything I can do. So that's a great story. And it's a great mentorship to those listeners out there that might be facing similar challenges because, uh, boy, we butt up against these things all the time especially when you're manufacturing new items and so forth. So For sure. Yeah, I love the idea too of mice chasing elephants because <laughs> in the early years of this of uh my uh, my past career same thing, we always were trying to look much bigger than we really were. And sure. So that people would be interested and have some confidence in us and uh that's a hard thing to do and it's a hard thing to keep up until you finally catch up with that image uh with everything you're doing. So uh I've been it there. Is. I've done that. So I feel your pain. Let's shift gears and uh, go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share kind of a career aha moment. I like to call it a time when those Marshall lights come on and illuminate your way down a new roadway. Tell us the steps you took that particular aha moment to make it into a success. I have two of them, and I'll be relatively brief on these. The first was basically before any of this in-case stuff that we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. because believe it or not, I did have a career before that. (laughs) Some people seem to forget that. Um, And when I'm doing consulting work or other things, uh, I refer so much to the in-case experience because it's so recent and so broad. But earlier on, prior to that, I worked in corporate retail And I remember being in a meeting, uh, in a staff meeting. This is in, let's see, this would have been 2002. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember sitting in a normal staff meeting. I was on the merchandising side and basically going through the reports that we went through every week and having the same conversations and being asked the same questions and having our, you know, VP basically pounding the crap out of us at the table and just thinking, you know, this is not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah. I could be a cog in someone else's wheel for the rest of my life, yeah. or I can stop now while I'm young and pick a di- different direction mm-hmm. for myself. And it was clear as day. So basically, within a couple weeks of that, I gave notice. I gave six weeks notice because I didn't want to leave anybody hanging. Nice. Right? That's a pretty yeah. long kind of ramp down time. Yeah. And my wife and I, I left my, my job. She left hers. Uh, we were in the Bay Area at the time. We packed our stuff and we moved back to Southern California and we didn't know what we were going to do, but wow. it wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to be that. Yeah. And she was in, in, in actually in corporate retail as well. And so that actually was the precursor to finding the in-case opportunity, which again was, was obviously working for someone else, but in a startup mode. Yes. It's kind of the same as having your own business, but actually getting a paycheck. <laughs> that was really the path that, that led to that opportunity. And, and certainly I didn't know at the time that I made that decision. So that's one. And then the other one, I'll just go really quickly. It's yeah. kind of the flip side to, to crying in the shower is that uh, I remember sitting in, in customs, actually, in China on one of the holidays. And, and so I was getting ready to go back to the U.S. after uh, working through a product launch and basically hit our deadline of getting it out before one of the national holidays over there. Uh, yeah, that's a tough deal to deal with. Anybody who works with China knows uh, there are plenty of those. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we're taking the month off. See you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And I remember sitting, and this is relatively early in my experience, you know, on the manufacturing side and going to China. I remember sitting in, in customs. I was waiting for my friend and I was in a car, actually, and we were sitting in line and my friend was behind us in another car. And I just looked at all the container trucks that were in the lines to go through their part of customs. And again, there's every other company that you can think of that was trying to hit the same deadlines to get product out. Of course. You know, before the holidays. And I remember just looking at all these trucks and thinking, 
probably every product I've ever used or ever will use in my life is in one of those vehicles somewhere. <laughs> yes. And for better or worse, I mean, good or bad, we can, we can think and say what we want about manufacturing, you know, domestically, overseas, all those things. It was just a really huge moment of, wow, aha for me that I'm right where everything is happening, good or bad. I'm right there and I'm right in the center of it. And it was just the magnitude of that really hit me. And I just thought it was really interesting and a really good perspective for me as I as I went on with my career. And it was a moment that I will literally never forget. Yeah, those epiphany moments are, are amazing sometimes because you take you, you sit back almost in this little self-created vacuum and go, I'm a part of this. Wow. Yeah. How did I get here? This is incredible. It's like when you get to spend a few moments with somebody that you've looked up to your whole life. I got to have dinner with Sterling Moss in Paris. I had no idea it was going to happen that evening. And I'm sitting in this restaurant up in a private room up above with him on one side of me and I'm just going, how did I get here? <laughs> this is incredible. You know, just, it's, sure. it's just so much fun. So yeah, very nice, nice share there. I appreciate that. Well, I would assume you've had many proud moments because you've created many cool things, launched things, overcome things. But is there one that stands out for you, that proudest business career moment? Yeah, for sure. And it's another in-case moment. And, and as I think it through, yeah, there, there are many. Selling the company in 2015 and, and going through the process, having gone through the process of marketing the brand and doing the business modeling and running around to different countries and doing a dog and pony show uh, while still trying to manage the business and and closing that deal Mm -hmm. on months of no sleep and being way out of my comfort zone again, managing due diligence, things I've never done in my life. Closing that sale from a career standpoint was definitely the the proudest moment. And it was kind of relief too, because I, I had known that you know, it was time for me to do other things. And and it really was basically, uh, you know, closing the door saying, Hey, we did this, we made this happen. And then opening another door. And and I think that I can look at a lot of small wins or even big wins along the way. But that's something that when you, you know, when I started 12 years before, I would have never known that that was even the goal, let alone that we would, we would get that done. And so I think that one, you know, especially for those who've never been through that, it's a it's a grind to get there, but it feels really good to be able to accomplish that. It means that you built something that's lasting, that transcends anything that you as an individual could ever do. Absolutely. Ah, wonderful. Spectacular. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. I'd love to hear about, I know you got some cool Porsches in your garage, but what was your first really special car? That first car you finally got, you went, ah, I've got it, I've got it, this is so cool. And maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle. Uh, there's two again, and I don't want to take too much time, but my first car, I will always remember it because it, it meant freedom for me and it meant that I could get out of the house and, and go places and drive. And, and that was a 69 Cougar. And I think that car probably ran on seven cylinders the whole time I had it. And, <laughs> you know, maybe wouldn't, wouldn't be someone's kind of archetype for their dream car, but it meant getting out of the house. And, and I was in LA at the time and I could go drive up in the mountains and, sit on a rock and just kind of get away from things. And, sure. and so my first was really, was really special. But beyond that, I think the the really, really one that will always stay with me and, and everyone I talk to hears me say this is, is my Porsche 914 or my, or my Volkswagen 914 for those who, who don't want to call it a Porsche. It's a car that, that basically, you know, I coveted for a long time and, and I loved the 914. And even though, as I said earlier, you know, I kind of fell in love with the 911 early on, the shape of the 911. Uh, 914, I always thought was a cool car. And for me, my former father-in-law, who's my first wife's father, had a 914. 
uh, before we were married and he had moved on to restoring 356s in his garage and I helped him with that and he had this sad little 914 that just sort of sat out under a cover and I, I was always joking about, hey, I should take that off your hands. You should just donate it to me. You should give it to me, right? And I was just like in love, obsessed with this car. I, some would say I set the bar low. Um, I disagree, uh, which we'll get to. Yeah. Little did I know that for the year leading up to our, in the year leading up to our wedding day, my wife or you know fiance at the time had paid her dad a hundred bucks a month for twelve months, and she and I went out for a jog on the morning of our wedding day. And when we finished, she handed me the key to that car. That was my, <laughs> nice. was my she bought the car from her dad for 1200 bucks. Yeah. Um, wow. That's cool. And that 914 is my favorite car. I've owned 16 Porsches now. I still have my 914. It's not just a sentimental thing for me. It's actually the most fun. It makes me grin every time I get behind the wheel and there, there's no way I could ever possibly get rid of it. It just inspires me to laugh and and just realize how exciting and fun it could be to be behind the wheel of something and be out and be on the open roads. I will always cherish that moment, but more importantly, uh the fact that when we, you know, when my first wife and I split up, she told me I could never get rid of the car. And so <laughs> I have it and, and I always will. Well, great story. I had a 73 2.0914 for a while that I bought with my son and then he kind of fixed it up and then he sold it. But uh really fun little car. I've had a lot of 911s, but I enjoyed that car a lot. It was really cool. I, of course, I always wished it had a uh, 911. It was a six, but still, it was a fun car to drive. Absolutely. So great story. Really well, fun. how about seller's remorse? You mentioned having lots of cars. <laughs> Is there one in particular you wish you had back in your garage? Well, there was one. But I resolved my seller's remorse, and I came full circle. Good for you. So I alluded, <laughs> I alluded earlier to spending a lot of time overseas, and one of the cars that I had bought when I was in the, the height of my not-being-home mode was a Porsche 996 GT3. Ooh. And I remember getting that car and, and driving it home, and just I was amazed that, that I even had it, right? It was just <laughs> – I was shocked that belonged to me and yeah. that I could have it and afford it, but – it sat in my garage yeah, 85% of the time because I was never home. And so I had a friend who was retired in the, in the Porsche Club America Redwood region up in Northern California, a good friend of mine, and he was always hounding me about selling him that car. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, it's my GT3. I can't sell you that. <laughs> and finally gave in is not the right term, but I agreed to sell it to him because I never drove it and I wanted it to get driven and I knew that he was going to track the car you know, every month and that it was going to be a dream come true for him. And so I sold him the car. And I remember, you know, before that, and even after that, my friend Pete Stout, who probably many people listening to this will know from the Porsche world, told oh, yeah. me, don't ever sell that car. Don't ever <laughs> sell that car. And of course, a couple months later, I texted him. I said, dude, you were right. I'm sad. I can't believe it's gone. Even though I never <laughs> drove it, I just feel empty. So the first thing I did when I when I resigned from InCase at the end of 2015 was I went out and bought myself another one. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. And uh, and this time I'm not going to let it go. And and it's a it's a great car, and it literally looks exactly the same. It's a doppelganger to the one that I had had. Nice. And so, yep, had seller's remorse, and and I did something about it. Fantastic. Well, I know Pete uh, 
has a new publication out right now, and I'm, I should be getting my first copy any day now. I got to notice they're shipping it a few days ago, but uh, you'll have to help me with him. I've been trying to get Pete on this show forever. He's a little bit shy, I think, about coming on the show, so maybe together we can double team him and uh, throw him to the mat and get him to be a guest here on Cards. Yeah, but he does a great job in his new publication. Triple uh, uh, Odd is awesome. So uh, No problem. No problem. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What has you really excited and fired up right now with Retrograde? What can we expect to see that's coming down the line? Uh, share a little bit of the future with us here. Well, there's actually a few things going on, and it's not just retrograde focus. So if I may, I'll, I'll kind of lay, lay several things out there. I love it. One for me is that with retrograde, I still have the time to do other work on the side. And, and so I've actually been focused on establishing myself as a consultant, sharing a lot of things that I learned and you know, really looking at the fact that I was able to do so many things and be responsible for so many parts of the business on the NK side that I'm my experience is relatively unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm I'm out there, you know, working with a couple projects with some consumer brands on, you know, everything varying from operations to, you know, to product development, just overall business strategy, brand positioning. And so that's a really cool opportunity for me to do lots of different things. Yeah. Not just operations or not just product, but be able to men, kind of bring together the creative and operational side. So that as a foundation that's something I'm excited about because I can kind of pick and choose my projects. And so that's an element of what I'm doing with retrograde. Uh, it's really cool. I mean, we're, we're basically in a place where we're trying to grow it organically. There's no need for us to either to retire off of it in a year, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is to, to build it right, to have fun with it, uh, to connect with the right people. And so what we're going to see moving forward with retrograde is a lot more focus on Really kind of the stuff that you and I are doing right now, but in but in digital form in terms of like print print interviews. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, and, and images that go along with the stories with Michael as a business partner, obviously, you know, the photography part of it. Right. You know, sort of is a given. Uh, so we're going to focus on, on doing really interesting profiles with maybe some people in the car world that folks may or may not think would be folks that we would focus on. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of these folks are public figures. Uh, some are just guys around the corner that work on cars in their garage on the weekend. Yeah. We're going to be doing some good profiles with for those guys on our website and on our socials. And then within that, we're going to work on really interesting collaborations on products with some of these folks. Mm. So I don't want to get into too much of what that is, but imagine maybe someone in the industry who uh, you know, who, who basically builds uh, replica sports seats mm-hmm. with all of the, the true authentic materials from the factory. Imagine doing collaboration with that person and doing bags and other items that really are aligned with classic sports car lifestyle. Things, cool. things like that is what, are what we'll be working on moving forward. Nice. Um, and then we will work uh, with some folks in the industry to potentially collaborate on participating in some certain events we obviously we, we had a, a booth at Works Reunion, which is a Porsche event. Mm-hmm. May or may do more things like that, but maybe more involved with an actual partnership at an event level with some folks who are in the classic car community. Cool. Beyond that, uh, this is interesting. You just mentioned it. I actually just uh, agreed with Pete Stout to to be the, the COO of Triple Zero Magazine. Ah, congratulations! Awesome. Uh, so thanks. So so yeah. So that's another horizon, and and obviously I think that you know, and some of the listeners might, but between myself and Pete and Michael Allen Ross, I mean, we all know each other. It's a pretty small world. Right. It's tight. I've known Pete for quite a while, and I've 
you know, we've always talked about kind of doing something together. And because of where I'm at in my career and with him taking the leap to start this amazing new publication, he and I have been talking and I think we're a really good complement to each other yeah. for me to be able to help him on the business side. And so I'm I talk about being grateful and being humbled. I'm part of a dream team that you know includes folks like Jeff Swart and Patrick Long working oh, yeah. on this amazing publication. And so uh, I'm really thrilled about that, and I'm really excited that I'm able to do that in addition to these other things that I'm working on. I, wow. I would have never been able to do that in the past. Yeah, well, congratulations. Yeah, dream team for sure. Uh, so exciting. And uh, again, I'll make sure that I put a link to that publication on your show notes page here at Cars. Yeah, so people who don't know about it yet can learn about it and go out there and subscribe. This thing is absolutely spectacular. It's like no other publication you're going to get in the mail. I can promise you that. It's uh, really, really special. So nice job, Chris. That's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, here's a very introspective question for you. Kind of an interesting question. If Chris was a car, what kind of car would Chris be and why? I'd be my 914. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I'm probably an underdog. I think when, when you look at me, you might say, hey, look at this little guy. You know, he's nothing. He used to run track. We get those looks from people all the time. I'm pretty small. I'm short. I'm little. Guys would look over like, seriously, you're going to race me? And, and then they'd be looking at my backside as I cross the finish <laughs> How line. How do do that? <laughs> and I think that, you know, for me, it's I'm like that. And I, I'm not really boisterous about anything. And I don't go around talking about my experience. I mean, we, we've had this call and it's a good opportunity for me to kind of open up, but I'm actually pretty shy uh -huh. uh, for the most part, unless I'm around people with whom I feel comfortable. And so sure. kind of the the underdog, I wouldn't say wolf in sheep's clothing, but but definitely more on the side of you wouldn't necessarily look at me and think that maybe I had the experience or capability that I have. And so th that's an easy one. The 914 is the perfect, right. perfect uh, analogy for me. A great answer to that uh, fun question. Well, Chris, up next is the last lap. Okay. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? 
Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Chris, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Never add up how much money you've spent on a particular car. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I've been there, done that. Um, would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Yeah, I'll always be honest, be real, and start with empathy. Uh, perfect. How about a resource? There's some great resources out there these days, but is there one that you'd like to share with the Cars Yow listeners you found really helpful? Uh, we mentioned it before, so it's probably redundant, but I think I think Triple Zero Mag is going to be a great resource in terms of understanding more detail about the history of Porsche and some mm-hmm. of its special cars. And for geeks like us who may be into that, I think that that's probably a really good place to start. And it's also uh, complementing that part is that it's a beautiful art book at the same time with oh, full yeah. spread images. So it's it's a really interesting. Uh, experience for folks who have never quite gotten that with any magazine or publication to date. Absolutely. Uh, Now, here's a a new question I've been asking my guests here in 2017. If you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? Gosh, that's a great question. (laughs) Oh, man, I don't even know if I can answer that. Probably Walter Rohrl. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I've I've seen so many videos of the dude, and I know some people who know him. I would love to talk to him just about how he's seen things develop over time and his involvement on the Porsche side, and I think that he would be a really interesting person to talk to. Uh, I'd love to have him on this show, too. So when you do get to have that drink with him, I'll put in a good word for cars, yeah, would you? Yeah, I will, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read in the past that you think would be uh, worthy of cracking open and reading? Do people read books? Well, listen, uh, you know what? I have almost a thousand books that my guests have recommended on the Cars Yeah website. So, uh, yeah, they do still read books. In fact, my son gave me 12 books for Christmas, one for each month. And I'm reading the first one right now, which is a great book called Contagious, about having to make, how to make your brand and your products uh, go viral in a sense. But uh, I'm sure there's a book or one or two you've read that you'd like to share. There is one that I'd like to share, and it's called The Sociopath Next Door. I don't know if you've heard of that book. I have, yeah. Mm -hmm. I won't get into details of why I decided to read that book, but I think that for anyone who who deals with or thinks they may be dealing with someone like that in their life, Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty enlightening. Awesome. Well, that's the first time that book has been recommended, and I'll remind our listeners that all these great resources that Chris has been so kind to share today are on his very own show notes page at carsyeah.com slash Chris Harrell, H-A-R-R-E-L-L. And there's another great place I mentioned it earlier on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and the, the books recommended by the past 684 guests here on Cars Yeah are listed. And there's close to a thousand books there. It's a great reference if you like to read books. And I'm sure a lot of those are avail- available on audio if you're stuck in traffic a lot or travel a lot. So it's another great way to learn more about books. Well, we are up to the checkered flag, Chris, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. 
especially for a guy like you, I think, if you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, I'll let you keep your GT3. Don't worry about that. But just one really cool car in the garage. And money is no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you like. What would it be? Well, it won't be a shock that it's going to be a Porsche, given the <laughs> folks who already sort of know the things that I'm passionate about. It would be a Carrera GT. And the reason for that is that I think that that car represents the convergence of purity, technology, and design. It's not so modern. Uh, it doesn't have all the gizmos to kind of control the driving. It's definitely a connected car, but it's also has you know, so much of the technology and so much of the advancement over the year put in there that it's, I think it's just a perfect balance of simplicity, but also innovation and advancements in, in what folks have been able to do over the years over at Porsche. And, and I think that, that that would be a pretty easy choice for me. What color would you like? Uh, I think I'd have to go with, with <laughs> I think I'd have to go with speed yellow. Oh, wow. Okay. You're going to be noticed out there on the coast highway down there in California, so. <laughs> noticed either way in that car, so I might as well go for it. Yeah, you might as well. Ah, oh, Carrera GT. Nice choice, my friend. Very cool. Well, Chris, you've taken us on a great ride today. I knew you would, and I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yacht listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Carrera GT? I would. I think that I would just say be genuine Surround yourself with with people who have the same passions and who are also genuine and positive. Whatever you're doing, you'll never go wrong if you take that approach. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and learn more about what you're doing? So I have a personal uh, Instagram that is CM Harrell, uh, at CM Harrell. So C as in Chris, M as in Michael, H-A-R-R-E-L-L. That's quite an interesting page, and it's mostly car stuff with with lots of cats sort of interspersed in there. <laughs> and then for Retrograde, it's uh, at Retrograde Classics or RetrogradeClassics.com. Cool. Then I guess I'll plug Triple Zero Magazine, and yeah, that's uh, at, at zero, zero, zero Magazine, and the website is 000magazine.com. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these cool links, and I would encourage you to check them all out because they all are very cool if you're into cars. And if you're listening to Cars Yacht, you are into cars. So uh, you can find all that on Chris's show notes page at carsyacht.com slash Chris Harrell, again, double R, double L. And uh, make sure you check out this new publication, too, because uh, I'm waiting anxiously for my first copy. I know it's supposed to arrive, I think, today, actually. So uh, I cannot wait. Chris, Thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yacht listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!